Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Women in Data podcast. I am so pleased today to be joined by Sumati Tiagarajan to be able to, to talk about a topic that has been off the back of my mind for, for a while. And I feel like from time to time it's popped on the podcast. So we've had, for example, a conversation with Salah Frazen when we were talking about being successful while changing industries. And it, it just came up uh, a few times. And that's transferable skills and really rapidly establishing credibility. And to me, that's a topic that's so important because our industry moves at pace. And then when we join in, we don't necessarily know straight away what it is that we want to do. And then there are new things that come in and we we realize that we might want to do something a bit different. So I'm really pleased to be joined by Sumati today to be able to talk about data skills that are transferable, how we, we can identify these transferable skills, play by your, our strengths and really establishing yourself when changing industries or career. Welcome, Sumati. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, and we started this conversation such a long time ago. And yeah. um, I'm glad that we can finally re record it and that listeners can, can benefit from it as well. Something that I love from our previous conversation is something you said about the fact that you love exploring things and figuring them out as you go. And I find that such a brave thing to do. Um, I remember... I'm a planner and I'm always thinking, okay, I need to know ahead where I'm going. Uh, and I know that you think about your, your next step, but maybe not always beyond that. And I would love to, to hear about your, your story. So before we jump into today's topic, can I invite you to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for this opportunity and to share and to hopefully help people see that data is a really transferable uh, skill set that really opens a million doors for people. And, and specifically for women, I think we can bring a unique uh, perspective and advantage there. So a little bit about myself. I'm the Vice President of Business Strategy and Analytics at the Milwaukee Bucks, which is an NBA team here in the United States. We're located in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. We have a 30-acre entertainment district, and we're really a kind of a community force to bring together for not only Milwaukee Bucks NBA games, but also um, several concerts and series throughout the year. And so what it means to be the VP of Business Strategy and Analytics is effectively my role is to lead a forward-thinking team to best optimize our operations and enable our sales. And we do this across a couple of functional areas. We do this, first of all, for every line of business, our ticketing business, our sponsorship business, our concert business, food and beverage, retail, but we do it through machine learning and data science. So advanced analytics, we do it through market research, and we do it through business intelligence. So really being able to build out reports and, and make actionable insights come out of those reports. So 
that's been kind of the current role. Prior to this, I had a really, um, you know, almost 20 years of experience that spanned three industries and lots of environments. So three industries, I've been in uh, healthcare. I was in healthcare for about 12 years. In those roles, I got to work at startup companies, at consulting companies, at nonprofit ones, and, you know, worked the gamut of healthcare systems, but analytics, operations, and strategy. And then after 12 years in that, I went on to five years in higher ed. I worked at a a top 100 university called Marquette University here in Wisconsin. And there again, it was a lot of strategy analytics, leading task force forces of uh, doing business development projects, kind of again, really varied, but leveraging my analytic skills in higher ed. And then about two years ago, I took on this role, which was entirely different in sports and live <laughs> entertainment. And, and, you know, in this role, I really, again, I lead a team to take advantage of whatever uh, revenue optimization we can. So it's been a really, really interesting career, one that's been very fun to explore for me. But again, to your point, I really kind of across these 20 years had really fun to say, hey, I could do I could do that. I can I can try this and I can I can really um, bring together a holistic viewpoint that could be really useful to an organization. That's amazing. I just love the journey from I don't even think so you know sometimes you're thinking, okay, maybe I go from industry to academia or the other way around, but staying in the in the same field. But you you probably wore so many very different hats. So working in healthcare, as you said, uh it could have been <laughs> in consulting or in nonprofit and then going into higher education and now in uh, sports and entertainment. But on the sports and entertainment, I I'm just amazed by how rapidly we're getting more and more women in that field. So before I was never meeting any women in, in sports and entertainment, and now it's so many more. Uh, I, I love to see that journey. Yes, absolutely. Well, there's so many women sports fans and I know we call it women's sports, but it's just sports with women athletes and they're incredible. So it's very exciting to be a part of this now. Yeah. So I would love to talk about changing careers, really, and the transferable skills. So you went from healthcare, working in loads of different, so you did say different settings, different organizations, etc. And even that already within the same industry, being able to work in different work settings already takes a lot of changes. So could you help us understand how you go about identifying these skills that you can go to an organization and say, hey, I've never worked in in this setting, this industry before, this type of organization, but I know I can do the the work or maybe not say I know I can do the work, but show that you can you can do it and shine in the interviews. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's a really great question. So one of the reasons I've actually moved around so much is on behalf of my husband. So my husband's a physician and his fellowships and residencies took us all over the country. And it was always like, you're going to be here for one year, we're going to be here for three years. And so it's not that I necessarily set out to be like, oh, let's bop around and look around a lot. But what what I came to find was actually really fun was at the end of each of those stints, I was like, all right, I'm going to have to start looking for a job again. And I have to distill the lack the last few years of work into a couple of bullet points on a resume that transfer like, hey, I can do I can do a lot of different things. And one of the ways that was helpful was I always focused on a few technical hard skills and non-technical skills. I think sometimes when we're in data and technical fields, we tend to pepper our resumes with, you know, I can code in R and Python and do these stats and et cetera. And while those are all very transferable, I think people really want to know who you are 
are or what else you can bring outside of that. And so I would often put down pen to paper of, you know, let me reflect and write down what I did for the last couple of years and, and be able to distill it. But I would include those hard and technical skills and I would make sure to include these non-technical skills. Specifically, I would highlight communication, project mm-hmm. management, and relationship building. And I think those are kind of the trifecta to be able to show I could connect with people because at the end of the day, all of these jobs require us to connect with people. Project management, all of these jobs require us to execute. And all of these jobs require us to build some credibility up as well as build some credibility down that you do through communication, right? So I got really good at kind of highlighting those three non-technical hard skills. And then the kicker would be, I would make my husband read it, who was never in data, who's in medicine, who could not, even now, I'm not sure he knows what I do exactly. He's gotten much better, but he would read it and he'd be like, what does that mean? And so that was kind of my first clue to be like, ah, this is not capturing anybody to be able to say, oh, this makes sense. Like I get generally what you've done and what you're capable of doing. So having someone outside of your industry read your resume and be able to discern like, okay, I get it. I understand broadly what you're trying to do. That was really helpful to me to A, identify those transferable skills and B, be able to kind of distill it in a way that anybody could pick it up and read it. I absolutely love the idea of getting a a non-data person to to read your CV because I know that I've always gotten a data person read Mm -hmm. my CV. So being a previous manager who is really good at that or a friend in the industry just to get some feedback. But I like the idea of getting a different perspective from from it. That that's really good. Yeah, yeah, it was really helpful because to me it was it made so much sense. I was like, of course this makes sense. You use coding languages to figure out a Power BI report, and then you use those reports to figure out how you run your business. And to him, it was you know it was a total foreign language, and it kind of really helped me to to reframe it. Yeah, especially because when you think about it, when you apply for, for a new role, the first person to read your CV is not necessarily going to be Correct. a data person. Correct. Exactly. It's an HR person who doesn't really know, right? But if you can get them to say, tell your story better because you've written it in a way that enables them to, I think it's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. So for, yeah. for you, I guess, these, these transferable skills that you mentioned. So you did say on your CV, you will put the technical skills that are valuable to the role, but also adding to that the communication, the project management, and also the relationship building skills. And these are the ones that you've identified as being the transferable across industries and across Mm -hmm. the ways of working or work settings. Yes, I think those are really helpful to share. And again, doesn't matter where you work, those things are always important. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you're in analytics or in data, like they're still important, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in tech, whether you're in uh, sales, those are the things that are really going to propel someone forward. Yeah, and I I do believe that in data, it doesn't feel like, I I don't know. So, you know, when you are talking about, we always think about the technical skills and I feel like these soft skills that you mentioned, we kind of develop them without really realizing it then because we're always working with stakeholders. So data is a pivotal role. So there are some organizations where data stands as its own, but yes, most of the time data is enabling a different business part. So we're always communicating with stakeholders, always managing projects with them to make sure that we run the analysis from A to B and making sure that it serves the purpose and it has impact and we're looking at the right thing and then building the relationships with these stakeholders so we can all work together and, and do these things. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I think you, to your point specifically, Karen, like these things come through practice and we don't realize we're actually practicing them every day until you've gone through a kind of a role or, or, or a job and you're like, oh, I've actually gotten better at this. And because the truth is, as a student, you can learn those technical skills by sitting on a project or mm. even just doing an individual project, right? You never have to interact with anybody. You can code something to do something. But I think the point specifically that you come to after working a little bit is like, oh, I've, I've gotten a chance to actually practice these skills that are, again, things that every organization, every role needs. So, so it is about practice and you kind of do it even without noticing. So I would always say, please stop and reflect every year in your career to be like, oh, what did I, what did I get better at this year? Absolutely. I, I love that. So what did I get better at this year? I'm, I will add that to my to my annual <laughs> retro. That's a yeah. good question to ask yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've identified these skills. Uh, you've had your, your husband, so your non-data person, read through your yes. CV to make sure that, that it lands well. Once you've joined an organization mm -hmm. and you come from a whole different background. So I guess sometimes you will have people who've been there for a while in the same field, industry, type of jobs, etc. How do you go about establishing yourself and building credibility? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that even the transferable skills that I, I kind of shared, I think those can work at any level, preferably even at the, like at the junior level. I think some of those skills are very easy to highlight. I would say a few things. One look, we all kind of look similar on paper, but when you get that first opportunity to share who you are, uh, especially at a leadership level, I would definitely highlight that you are a curious person. So something that I've been really focused on when I come in to talk to anybody, even in an interview process is I'm just curious and I'm just genuinely interested in your organization and your industry and really kind of trying to find the places where I can add value proactively. I think the other piece in terms of like being an, an executor, right? So project managers, like I, I want to get things done. So that's another place that I tend to focus on when I'm talking to somebody in a new industry. I, I really, you know, I have a my project management certificate. You don't need these certificates, but some of those things really help showcase, hey, I really execute. And then the last part is like really kind of showing people that you can be a people person, a people motivator. So, so that's another part is really highlighting kind of great foundational management skills. And so I think when I go through that interview process, I, I highlight those transferable skills at a higher level. And then when you get to actually building the credibility is to your point, I say this to my team all the time, what we have to do is promise and deliver. Every day we promise, we deliver. And that's really all there is to building credibility is simply put. But when I get into an organization, I start with drawing up a 90 day plan. And I, I do that with uh, and share with my leaders. And I say, hey, here's what I've heard so far is what you guys are, are your, what the gaps are in your organization. Here's what I think you want me to do. Here's where I've identified some really quick wins based again on my subject matter expertise. I think we can translate this quickly. Am I right? Am I wrong? What am I missing? And it really kind of, I think, helps equip your leaders to set you up to succeed. And then I just execute my 90-day plan relentlessly. I am aligned. I am focused. If things look different, if something else pops up, I go back and I say, hey, I'm seeing something different now. Does this supersede what we've talked about or what else is there? And so what it really gives your leaders, again, I guess, trust and faith in is, oh, this person will manage themselves to be able to come in and build credibility because they know where they're supposed to be focused. And then the last piece I'll say is one of the, the things I really learned in this job is 
you know, I've been really focused on building credibility up and out in a new industry. But when I came in at a leadership level, I had to really build credibility with my technical data team. And as much as they knew like, okay, this person can code or she understands data, I had to actually be like, hey, can I take that from you? Or can you sit down and teach me and really kind of learn from my team? Because at the end of the day, the whole industry was new to me, right? And so mm-hmm. I kind of had an opportunity to build credibility with them as I'm not only here to say, hey, I can bring great skill sets here, but I really want to learn from you. I really think I can you know, add value to you. And then when I go off and speak on their behalf to my peers, they really trusted, okay, this person's going out there with, with our best interests in mind. So the other piece of this is just building credibility up and down when you're in a new industry, which is really different than if you're from the same industry, you're just trying to always build it up and out. But you got to look, you got to look at your team and make sure they also trust, oh, this person can actually do this job. I love that. Uh, you were speaking and I was like, oh my God, tell me more. <laughs> I wish we had way more time than that. that that's the problem yeah. of having a short format for the, <laughs> for the podcast. But this idea of, you know, building credibility up and down, I, I think when we think about establishing ourselves very often, especially when you work in organizations that are very impact focused, you know, uh, we always think about stakeholders. Uh, I need to be visible to the leadership. I need to be visible yes. to my manager and their manager and people around them that are going to be the decision makers, but also the importance of building credibility with your team. So building credibility down. And I love just how you approach that and how important you, you make it. This is incredible. That's one I'm definitely going to to take with me yeah so in terms of now you've you've built your credibility we've talked about you know changing industries but something else that maybe a bit different from the topic we've been talking about so far but as important when you you change industry but also when you establish yourself as a leader is the one of sitting at at the board table so Mm -hmm. for me that sounds very foreign because I am so far away from from that in my career but I've had so many women not telling me but I've heard in conversations when we've been at round tables or networking or or just chatting over coffee uh, talking about the fact that they wanted to be sitting at, at the board table and I was just wanting to ask yeah. so you've you've changed industries you've really definitely managed to put yourself at the board frequently and I just want to know a bit more about that so for those who are not very familiar with board tables can you start by explaining the responsibilities of the board and then we can move on to why it's important to you yeah, absolutely. So so um, a little story here for me is when I got here, I wasn't, uh, we call it the executive table, the board table, the, the, the main team of leaders who meet with the president on a weekly basis, um, you know, get skip meetings or skip level meetings or meetings one-on-ones with him in our case um, uh, on a regular cadence. I, when I got here, I was not expecting to be at that level. I was very much like, all right, like, let's come in, let's do a good job, let's lead by team. And four weeks into it, they were like, you deserve to be at this table. We need your input. And so my learning of what it means to be on this at this table is you're setting the vision for the organization. You're helping coordinate across the organization and you're really pushing the organization forward on what the strategies and the focus should be. But bigger to that is you care about the human capital, the people part of the organization as well, right? So when I think about this, you've gone, you've transcended from being a functional leader 
to a to an enterprise leader. So you're beyond the I just need to manage my day to day operations or day to day job to I am now going to start connecting all the dots across the organization and I'm going to lead, meaning I'm going to help set vision and focus and then move people in that direction. So that I think is ultimately the responsibility of being on an executive board. And so it's been, again, quite the honor for me. I've been there almost two years now and I'm learning every day. And it's a great group of people to sit alongside because you sit alongside of industry leaders. And and again, when you're brand new to the industry and you get to sit next to an industry leader, it's um, for someone like me who wants to be a sponge. It's super, super wonderful uh, way to spend the day. Yeah, I was going to say the opportunities for for learning must be incredible, but it also sounds very scary. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can be really overwhelming. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and how how do you feel this this has helped you in terms of, we were talking also about not having that many women in the sports field. So in, in terms, especially in data, so it's like, we work in data, already women are a minority, and then you're going into uh, an industry where women are even more of a minority. So do, do you feel like this made a difference to you? Absolutely. So I think I'm I'm increasingly more and more aware of the uniqueness of the role that I get to play. One is a woman, one is a woman of color, one is one in sports, oh, right? Where these are all growing nascent fields for data and analytics. So I take it very seriously that I get that chance and opportunity. I think one of the things that look, at the end of the day, like I, I believe data to be a great connector across the organization, right? Because, you, you know, what you said, Karen, right? We enable sales, we enable marketing, we enable um, so many other functional areas within the organization. And so why I find it in particularly valuable to be at that executive table is because I'm already connected across the organization. I'm working with every line of business. If I get to be in that meeting, I can be more proactive in the value that I'm bringing forward. So now that I hear in that room, oh, you're working on this and you're working on that, hey, I actually might have something that can help you both connect more greatly and get deeper in your relationship and your work together. So I think that in particular is a great reason for someone who's a head of data to be at that executive level because they can proactively look for those spaces where they can fill in the gray. And so to me, I think the other piece that I've come to learn from this is being at the table means I get to bring influence of data to an organization where if I was you know, not at this level, data would be, again, one more thing, like one more service that we provide within the company, as opposed to this great enabler, it would just be a service. You ask for a report, I give you a report, mm-hmm. we you know, we shake hands, we walk away, right? Versus I I understand your business problem. I have ideas on how I could help you. Here's some ideas. Let's be thought partners together. And I think that helps me, but also helps my team. I mean, I think it's been a great way to recruit top diverse talent because now, you know, people want to work here. They're like, oh, the leader of data is actually at the table as opposed to just being, you know, a shared service unit off to the side. And I think it actually brings one very good talent, but also a diverse perspective of talent who are interested in entering sports because now it looks different than they used to ever. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, the the part where you were talking about being at the table means that data is not seen as a service anymore and your proper partner. This is something I talk a lot about and many industry leaders talk about as, as well. So when everyone talks about the importance of the CDO role, etc., but the yeah. perspective you gave just before of 
the fact that data is already the connector in the organization because we're enabling so many functions. And that means when you're at the board, you're also connecting them based on things that they're, they're working on that they wouldn't have visibility on, but you do. It's a different perspective that I hadn't heard before. So <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Um, that just shows how amazing working in data is. I mean, yeah, it's really great. And right. And a lot of these functional, like these other leaders, they're busy, right? So mm. to expect them, I think that's the other piece where we're probably unfair in what we expect leaders to do nowadays, right? You need to know your business. You need to be open to every other part of the business. You need to understand everybody else's business. It's not possible. And so how can we continue to get them to focus on where their strengths are and then bring strengths alongside of them to, to enable them? I think, again, it's, it's a facilitator role. I really enjoy. Absolutely. And to, to close the episode, I would love to know what it is that you're learning at the moment or are interested in learning about. You know, I am actually learning more about communication. And I say this because commu- I would say analytics in general, it's deep work, right? It's not, oh, I'll get you a project done in three days and it's going to change your business. It's never that. It's, I need to understand it. I need to spend some time with it. I need to clean it. I need to, you know, and then figure out its application. So one, it's deep. Two, I would say like my former experience before I got here was higher ed and higher ed is all about depth of work, depth of analysis, depth Mm. of of what you're sharing and relaying. Now I work in a a place where the volume of my work is no different, but the velocity is so different here in sports. We got a massive um, sports trade just done a couple days ago. It's going to change the landscape for our team. Um, So then the question is, how does this impact the company? And how do you not only finish the analysis quickly, but how do you communicate that to people who are already very busy? maybe might not have the expertise, right? They Not the requisite expertise, just expertise in this this realm. And how do you quickly communicate it in a way that's broadly consumable and holds your audience captivated and interested? Yeah. So I'm really trying to figure out how to sell analytics in some ways or communicate it in a way that gets everybody hooked and can be done quickly and in a way that's you know really exciting. So I've been reading a lot of books about communication. I've been reading a lot of books about how to distill things down to, to kind of sometimes sound bites. Um, but how do you do that in, in a way that's different than how we've ever talked about analytics before? Yeah. Do you have uh, a couple of recommendations in terms of one of the books that you read? Well, so one of the, so I just started a book and I think it's literally how to write for busy readers, but I'm working through that one. But one that's really helped me is actually a podcast. I think it's called Think Fast, Talk Slow. I'm oh, yeah, I know that one. You know that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been listening to some of those. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts on communication through HBR and in the uh, Harvard Business Review podcast. And so I'm kind of doing that. I'm practicing. I'm taking more notes. I'm prepping before every, every meeting, not even every big meeting, sometimes even small meetings. I'm like, all right, how mm-hmm. do I... How do I present this slide differently than I would have ever presented it before? And so I'm just really being deep and in, in kind of process-oriented about communication. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that and, really? and for joining me on the podcast. I, I had a great time. Same. It was really fun to chat with you. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free 
All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.